Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. around us, it's Mr. Dave AC. Maximum power, uh, all you Silverland fans out there. Hi, Ian. Hello, hello, hello. Right, we've got a slim room. It's funny, after we post a topic, uh, post a, uh, a poll on a topic and ask who'd be interested. <laughs> oh, uh, up. No, 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 some of them have got very, very good excuses, like being at galley. Uh, all right, but let's see who's joining us today. At the top of my list, no surprise, it's Mr. Darth Skeptical. Hello, good sir, how are you? Not too bad, sir, not too bad at all. Very good. Indeed. Also, (laughs) we may find out how glad you actually are. (laughs) We know what we're getting into, we were here last week. (laughs) I bet he's wearing an eye patch, I bet he's wearing an eye patch today. Yep, yep. Right. Also, because I have an eye infection, so hurting her. Are. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought you were playing Com- Commander Travis. <laughs> oh dear, one of those shows. They're all one of those shows. <laughs> Joining us for as long as he can stay on audio, it's Mister Randall Thor. Yes, I'm not at Galley either. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Hopefully we'll get to you rather quickly, depending on, you know, the person running the topic. <clears throat> and also, joining us on audio, from the phones, it's Kobo. Hello, Kobo. Could you give me an Advil? I'm going to get on mic in a second. Hey, Ian. Hey, um, here's your Advil. <laughs> um, how are you? Good, good, good. Looking for a good romping topic today. Yes, we are. All right. Well, that's all that's on audio. Let's see who's under the cone. Controls, new agent training program, section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It 
which never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. What? And underneath the cone today, stray dog. Yes, we have a stray dog. Um, we're happy you wandered in here. We we always accept accept strays. Actually, that's most of the people in here. <laughs> they all strayed in here and never left. <laughs> Hello. All right. Also under the cone, Enterprise, who is here, and of course, Cybob is taking care of business under the cone. Whatever his business is, hmm, suspicious. All right. Only one more person to introduce, and that is the Typing Monkey. It's news time. Go Typing Monkey, go. Oh, go Typing Monkey, go. I do it with myself, I tell you. I'm sorry, I was taking word, Will. All right, we do have some news. Uh, Kobo, are you up for your little, uh, little item? Um, my lung is busting and I've got a, um... A lot of stuff to say for the main topic, so okay. I will hand my news over to you. Okie dokie. Uh, the thing that uh, Kobo wanted to bring up, in case people weren't aware, um, but my wife's aware, so I don't know how well widespread this is, knowledge of this website, Geek and Sundry. Uh, yes, Geek and Sundry was, uh, um, I think it's sensibly set up by Felicia Day, who is just a massive geek, which is fantastic. Um, and there's just a, a, a ton of shows on there. Um, one, I'll, I'll go from my personal experience that uh, my wife's favorite uh, ones are uh, there's one uh, a series on there called Written by a Kid, uh, and they get these kids in to tell them a story, and what they then do is they actually create the story um, and, and then show it to the kids, and, and of course you get to see it on the screen. There's there's one actually where uh, Joss Whedon's in it um, <laughs> playing playing one of the characters. It's just goofy stuff, but it's it's just so funny that they put these rambling kid stories into a into this little little um little show and it's really quite cute uh the other one which people may have uh, caught on, on other places uh, including netflix is the guild it's a web series about gamers um mainly centering on uh, felicia day's character and the other show that my wife is mad keen on um and one of the reasons why we've picked up numerous games recently is tabletop which is hosted by whittle Wheaton. um and it, it's a great. I I I I'm I'm I think it's a, a great idea to have a show like this because, you know, we get to uh, into um, uh, playing computer games and things like that and and uh, MMORPGs and it's nice to see a show that promotes getting around a table, having some snacks and 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 uh, some friends over and playing a board game, uh, whether it be a sci-fi oriented one, one about uh, connecting train lines. Um, it's just all sorts. So tabletop is, is a great piece of entertainment too. He'll have uh, the odd celebrity on here and there, and they'll just sit there and play a game, um, and it's great. But there's a, a bunch of different web shows. Basically, it's a it's a it's a hub for web entertainment that has a huge geek bent on it, um, and and it's just well done and a lot of fun. So uh, check out geekandsundry.com. Um, also. Uh, all the games that are on tabletop. Um, it's actually, actually have a, YouTube have slash Geek and Sundry. Um, they've, they've got a, a section in Target uh, for the, the games that are featured on tabletop. So if you go to Target and go to the game section, if you're looking for anything that you've seen on tabletop, go there and you'll actually see um, the, 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 the uh, tabletop section. So it's, it's one worth checking out. Uh, they've got uh, 
uh, stuff from uh, Paul and Storm on their Space Janitors uh, on the table, which is uh, tabletop gaming news, uh, which is different from tabletop, but yeah. <laughs> uh, Sci-Fi and Fantasy Book Club, it's called Swords. Uh, so yeah, Swords and Laser. There's, there's, yeah, there's plenty to check out. So, uh, yeah, go on there. Uh, everything's done um, through YouTube. So if you've got a, uh, an entertainment device, uh, such as a DVD player that uh, allows you to go on YouTube, you can watch it on your big screen, you can watch it on your laptop, watch it on, uh, on um, your mobile device. So, yeah, go and check that out. So that's a bit of a plug, but uh, now on to some news. Um, Mike, I'm going to let you take that, uh, take that news item that uh, you're going to steal off me. So... Okay, coming up at the at the end of this year, uh, The Tenth Planet will be released on DVD, BBC Worldwide has announced. Uh, of course, The Tenth Planet is William Hartnell's final story, and speaking of final finals, the, the, the final episode of this story doesn't exist in full. What we have existing are the regeneration scene and bits and pieces in between, but... Um, it's it's been announced that the same production studio that did that did that did the animation for um for the the, the previous uh, the, the reign of terror i believe it, believe it was that they did the this the restoration animated animation for uh they'll be doing the anima- animated segments they'll, they'll be animating the the final episode of uh, the 10th planet um the, the william hartnell's final episode of course this is the second different the, the, this is the second production studio that bbc has had Restore uh, episodes. They they previously used what was it Cosgrove Hall to animate uh, missing episodes of the invasion, a second Doctor story. So yeah, coming up at yet. the end of this yeah coming up at the end of this year, uh, the Tenth Planet on DVD with uh, an animated restoration of episode four. Excellent. All right, thank you for that. A um, couple of uh, news items of uh, that have just popped up uh, today actually. Uh, We've uh, just posted. I just posted uh, um, about half an hour ago in the Facebook page a uh, link to a YouTube video. Uh, you can also catch it on the Doctor Who news site. Um, this morning, I believe it was, uh, Daleks assembled on um, on uh, the bridge to uh, enact that classic moment from uh, Dalek invasion of Earth. Um, there's a little introduction there by uh, Mark Addis and uh, yeah. Some great little video and some pictures, and it's kind of neat to see, you know, that just that little bit of uh, filming going on there. So, um, also there's a picture wandering around uh, uh, from that production of, uh, of William Hartnell sitting on a bench uh, reading uh, with a uh, Radio Times, I think, in his hand. Uh, I'm trying to remember where I saw that. It was probably. Uh, I think it was on Facebook. Yes, it's wandering around. Anyway, um, <laughs> yes, the news is all in bits and pieces. Uh, the next piece of news uh, I stumbled across on TARDIS news, but has also uh, come through from Digital Spy, is that uh, we now have a director who has been tied to the 50th anniversary episode. Um, it's to be directed by uh, Nick Hearn. Um, so. Uh, I guess that was uh, he announced it himself while appearing at the Glasgow Film Festival earlier today. True uh, that the fiftieth is only going to be an hour long, because that seems uh, kind of short for such a momentous episode. Yeah, I don't. I haven't seen any. I mean, I've seen all sorts of kind of news uh, 
about yeah, all we have conf- confirming that is a banner that the BBC had at the Toy Fair in London back in yeah. January. Nothing beyond that. Yeah. Um, the filmmaker, of course, uh, previously directed the episodes uh, The Girl Who Waited, The Gum God Complex, Son of the Daleks, and Angels Take Manhattan. Uh, filming for the episode will commence in April, while Stephen Muffet will write the script. I'm hoping to get written it already. April's coming pretty quick. Uh, <laughs> earlier this month, of course, it was announced that uh, the 50th anniversary special will be filmed in 3D, with showrunner Moffat promising a whole new dimension of adventure for the Doctor to explore. Except we've already done 3D and it was lousy. Um, <laughs> I thought we were going to avoid that other dimension there. Yes. <laughs> I, I just love how he said the whole new dimension when talking about 3D and uh, yes, yes. Uh, I'm, I'm just hoping that uh, the, the, the 3D elements that they, they put into this will not um, make the uh, regular version uh, a pain to watch now another part of that story that I, some other sources, not BBC directly, I don't think, but other sources have reported that the 50th anniversary special will be, will be shown in 3D capable cinemas in mm-hmm. UK, at least. Interesting. Oh. Which uh, isn't uh, um, you know isn't much of a stretch because I, I do believe that the uh, the 3D uh, teaser that they had for um, Matt Smith's first series was actually shown on the uh, cinema screens as well, was it not? It was, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's one other thing that, that, that does worry some people, and I think this was one of the threads on Digital Spies, the fact that um, very soon um, BBC, uh, BBC have two high-definition channels. There's BBC One HD, and then there's BBC HD that, that has cherry picks from, from BBC One, BBC Two, BBC Three, and BBC Four. But that is now going to change the BBC HD channel is going to become BBC 2 HD. Uh, uh, in other words, it's going to mirror what goes on on BBC 2 channel. Now, in the past, when they have done 3D events, like when they did uh, the, the Strictly Come Dancing, which is like the American Dancing with the Stars, what they did is you could watch the 2D version on BBC HD, and then on, uh, sorry, on BBC 1 HD, and then on BBC 8 HD, uh, they could simulcast it in 3D. So um, I don't know how they're going to do that this year um, because obviously they can't just... I think whenever they do broadcast it in 3D, the, the, it's likely to be a simulcast in 2D at the same time, I would have thought. Right. Yeah, I just hope it gets, you know, sometimes when they, you know, they, they ever do the 3D stuff and, you know, I'm hoping it's fine. I can't see 3D. That's my my main problem. I don't have a an issue with people watching it in 3D and stuff. It's just um, I want to be able to enjoy the story as it you know regularly is without you know going oh that's that's supposed to be 3D you know. And they try to do gimmicks with it as well, and that's a big issue. I mean, I haven't seen. I honestly can't say I've seen a lot of things that that. You know um, that I know have been you know also in 3D where uh, I mean they used to make things you know quite obvious like oh you know and somebody would pun- you know the punch at the screen and, and things like that where you know oh oh I spilled the popcorn and you know <laughs> yeah but just like imagine that. like the the Christmas special was it the Runaway Bride the one where the TARDIS is going down the the motorway mm. you know just imagine that in 3D that would would 
be highly uh, entertaining, I would have thought, if it could be pulled off. Right. Yeah. I'm just hoping that they, they, they do... I don't want it to be, oh, we're making a 3D episode. I want them to be making a 50th anniversary special with, you know, you know, the, the 3D stuff being kind of, you know, less important. Special effects should drive the story, not the other way around. All right, and uh, let's see. I had oh yes, I had some other news uh, about the uh, an adventure in time and space. Uh, some other subtle casting going on, um, as well as the actors that portray William Russell, Jacqueline Hill, and Caroline Ford. Other members of the cast are expected to feature in some way. Uh, speaking at the William Hartnell Years Convention, Peter Purvis mentioned that he would be represented in the drama. Uh, an observer, uh, Nick Lawton, commented on Friday's filming, Vicky was actually seen sitting in reception talking to Mark Guinness. Um, as Bill, Loris, etc. are filming the scene. Uh, Vicky is wearing her The Rescue outfit, uh, which is uh, why I think it was her. So, Again, that's, you know, that's not exactly. I mean, the, the other news saying that he's being the people purpose saying he's being represented is one thing, but uh, the other is, is it's, it's it's somebody seeing something and, and thinking it is something. So we'll take that with a grain of salt. But yeah. All right. Uh, and last bit of news. Uh, big finish. Well, Darth, Darth up. has news as well after you. Okay. Uh. Yep. Yeah, it isn't the big finish news, is it? No, you just put, yes, I do have news in the text. Okay. Big finish, are running a promotion on the Eighth Doctor Adventures, uh, with stories from all four series starring Paul McGann available at a discount until, end, uh, until uh, the 2nd of March. Um, so, yeah, get along there, and uh, if you're if you're trying to pick up some, uh, some nice audio adventures, Darth would probably recommend a few. <laughs> and that's a segue to Darth. Darth, you have news. I do indeed. Yes, we have uh, some interesting news coming out of uh, BBC Three. Um, apparently, there's been a Radio Times poll, and the best show ever in the history of BBC Three, which doesn't mean as much as it sounds. That's only what Dave ten years, something like that, is. Yeah. Doctor Who Confidential, kind of by a mile. Um, one in the eye, one in the eye. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah. There's been uh, no, I don't think, um, statement from uh, the current uh, controller of BBC Three, who, of course, is the one who acts Doctor Who Confidential. But it is kind of amazing that Doctor Who Confidential got to the top of the list, and not by a little bit, by you know, a fairly significant amount. Especially because other shows that were in here were like Torchwood and and proper Being Human. It beat Being Human. Um, it also beat Pramface uh, that I'm going to give a special shout out to because Pramface is in its second season. It's we're nearing the end of the season. It's a show that's on Tuesday nights in the United Kingdom on BBC Three. Big Doctor Who connections in it. The most obvious, I suppose, being the presence of. Um, Yasmin Page, who of course played Maria Jackson in um, the first uh, series of Sarah Jane Adventures, she is fabulous in this thing. Fabulous. 
Um, and the acting is 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 pretty great throughout. This season has also had a um, a, a guest star role by um, Tracy Ann Oberman, who of course we'll remember from uh, as being the first Torchwood leader that we ever saw on TV. Um, she uh, has worked with Peter Davison a lot in her career too. Just a fabulous person. Worked for Big Finish in several capacities. Um, she in this season has played the um, the owner or at least the manager of a phone sex shop. So good fun there. Um, it's, it's a great series. If you get a chance to see it, you really should see it. Um, nice character driven drama. Uh, sorry, really comedy, but there is you know there's some dramatic undertones to it as well. Really very good series. It's their it's their highest rated series ever, I think, on BBC Three. Worth a look, just because we're uh, it's still in prime broadcast for series two. So there you go. There's some BBC Three news for you. Excellent. Thank you, sir. And Mike wants you to just add something as well, Ian. Okay. Oh yes, 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 yes. Mike, take it away. Okay, uh, next weekend, uh, the last weekend of February, the BBC America is continuing their Doctor Who Revisited series, where they're they're showing uh, stories from each consecutive Doctor. Of course, last month we had the first Doctor story, the Aztecs. This month, on the 24th at 9 p.m., they're going to have a second Doctor Revisited special with interviews and retrospective and clips and so on and so forth. But after that, they'll be showing... Uh, the uh, Tomb of the Cybermen, one of the very few completely remaining Patrick Troughton stories, uh, sadly, as that is. But uh, the one thing I wanted to note here is both of these have matched up so far. So if the pattern continues and you're wondering what further special uh, stories BBC America are going to air for the Doctor Who Revisited, just check over to see what, B- what the BFI is showing this year for their Doctor Who screenings. Because each month this year, leading up to November, BFI is going to be screening, once a month, BBC, the B- BFI, British Film Institute, will be screening a story for each Doctor. So, so, so far they've shown the Aztecs and the Tomb of the Cybermen. And the only ones they've announced are The Mind of Evil for the third Doctor and Robots of Death for the fourth. So if the pattern continues, that's what BBC America is going to air as well. So that's that. Robots of Death, that's quite a nice choice. I quite like that one. But I mean, uh, I'm not saying it's necessarily the best, but I I quite like that one. Anyway, thank you, Mike. All right. um, Well, that wraps it up for news. And, of course, um, uh, as I said, we are missing some people, um, including... Mr. Cuddly Ken, who is uh, currently at Galley, uh, but he just sent his uh, regards to everyone. He was on here a little bit earlier. Uh, unfortunately, uh, his cell phone signal was not entirely kind to the conversation, so we weren't able to report anything, but um, he is having a great time, um, and he's out there representing Coltham. Thank you, Ken. We really appreciate that. Um, so we uh, look forward to his uh, return next week, and uh, we'll uh, make some time for uh, a nice little... Uh, Review uh, of uh, uh, this week, uh, this year's galley. So lucky thought. Uh, <laughs> not easier when you live out that way, but you know. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I think that. Oh, yes, yes, that's what I wanted to say. Um, uh, you may have noted that uh, we've been kind of following the uh, broadcast schedule of uh, BBC America's uh, um, 
showing of uh, the Doctor Who episodes. And uh, so uh, Sunday the 3rd, uh, which is the week, the Sunday after uh, the broadcast of uh, Tomb of the Cybermen, we will be uh, revisiting that revisit. So uh, we hope you will join us for that. Unfortunately, um, it goes out you know, Sunday night, and uh, we will already have been done with the show by then. So um, do tune in to watch it, and then uh, join us on uh, Sunday the 3rd of uh, March for that review. All right, uh, there's only one other thing to do, and that's to tell you exactly how you can join in with us. And here it is. If you enjoy listening, why not join the collective and participate yourself? Or on TalkShoe, call ID 54821. Call in on 724-444-7444. This is a US number, area code 724, so do check your calling plan before dialing in. If you have a sick client, you can call in for free on 66.212.134.192. Or you can connect in directly via the Shoe phone client if you have TalkShoe Live installed. Looking forward to hearing you. With, you, with that, I will pass you over to Mr. Dave AC for our main topic today. Thank you, Ian. Yeah, uh, thank you. As uh, Ian said, we haven't got many people on audio. Uh, in fact, we've just got one left at the moment because Mike just dropped off. But he did uh, explain prior to the recording starting that uh, he hasn't got a lot to uh, contribute to that and uh, he'll just stay listening for a while. Thank you for coming on for the news. And as you heard, um, Ken has... Um, tried to just phone in but uh, hopefully next week as well as uh, covering the, the topic of the day uh, he will give us a report maybe even uh, having listened to the recording of this by then he'll be able to to add his things because he is a big uh, Blake 7 fan so uh, we will be going to Cobo in a minute but just to get you in the mood uh, let me just mention this is, of course is a uh, British science fiction from way back uh, first aired in 2nd of January uh, 1978 uh, and most of the people in the room would have been uh, enjoying a very peaceful time at that point. They may not even have been born but um, I was um, thoroughly enjoyed it and it ran from 1978 until uh, uh, December 1981. Four series, 52 episodes and uh, let's just remind ourselves again of that very uh, recognisable theme tune. Yes, in just 40 seconds, none of this business that they use nowadays to cheat you out of minutes where they have like one and a half minute introduction and then at the end they spend you telling you another minute telling you what's coming up next week all to just get the actual hours of new material down from 41 and a half minutes to uh, you know, about 38 as we are joined in the room by Jeff, the, sixth, uh, the seventh doctor um, and Jeff, just for, you, for your benefit, just mentioned that uh, that Ken briefly called in from Galley uh, and was 
not able to tell us much, but he did say that he thoroughly enjoyed Sylvester McCoy, uh, the Seventh Doctor, uh, doing his uh, one-hour session, uh, which apparently he didn't do from the stage. He actually went among the throngs and uh, did uh, it in his own inimitable way. So, um, uh, and I say that, of course, because Jeff has the Seventh Doctor. Uh, as his ID on Torchew for a reason, because he's a big fan. Do you just want to check your sound, Jeff, and say hello? Hi, Dave. How are you today? Fine, in fact. Uh, we're just coming up to the 28 minutes mark, which uh, means you've just missed the news. Um, very briefly, um, we're get, we are going to Como in a moment uh, with audio. Is there anything uh, that you will be able to contribute to uh, this Probably not a whole lot. I've not seen a lot of the show, but I wanted to listen in today, get okay. people's perspectives. Uh, and can I ask you, did, did you have any news that you're going to to bring into the show? Because uh, this is perhaps an appropriate point to to finish off any news. I think Ian would like us to do that if we're going to do it at all. Uh, I don't have any news today, no. But thank you for asking. Okay, Ian. Ian, was that something else that you wanted to add in at this point? Before we get going, actually, I was I was saving a news item for if you showed up, and it's uh, the uh, the announcement of the the next uh, Fathom event. Oh yes, next generation. I, I figured you already mentioned that, so I no, I was going to I was going to leave it for you to do like next week if you if you say on, because it's going to your corner. <laughs> well, you want me to do it now? Yeah, I'd love that. Okay. Thank you. If you would, sure. Well, as you probably remember, uh, Ian and I have gone to these events in the past. Uh, Fathom Events has put on these Star Trek The Next Generation events to celebrate the release of the Blu-ray sets. Uh, they've remastered the series to 1080p, high definition, uh, 7.1 surround sound, and uh, i got to say that the show just looks fantastic. Uh, it almost looks like a brand new show. And what Fathom Events has done in the past is they've shown a couple episodes from the, the series set that's coming out uh, the following week. And I don't know the day. I think it's uh, the 25th of April. Yes, I just looked it up. Um, 25th of April, Fathom Events is going to play. That's a Thursday evening. Star Trek The Next Generation, The Best of Both Worlds on the big screen and the theaters. Uh, One-time event at 7 o'clock your local time. And if you want to see if uh, there's a theater playing it near you, just go to fathomevents.com and you can punch in your zip code and you'll get a listing of the theaters that are nearby you playing the best of both worlds. And i got to say, if there's one you're going to go to, this is probably it because these are highly re regarded by Star Trek fans. If there's one you want to see on the big screen, go to this one. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, now, j just because uh, I know that you will be doing this, uh, Jeff, but it's good advice for anybody who comes and joins us. I take it you're following us in the text chat on the pro client. Yes, I am. Right, so then Jeff will know that even though he's come in late, he'll be able to read all the the links that we've already put in the room, so I'm not going to read them out. Just to say to most of the links that I've added in the room, just to help people 
are Wikipedia ones, um, uh, all relating, of course, to Blake 7. There's a, a page of the history, a list of the Blake 7 episodes, and a general Blake 7 link, which I will put in because that's a rather short one for me to read out. And that is uh, wikipedia.org forward slash wiki forward slash Blake uh, apostrophe S underscore seven, the number seven. What I'm going to do is play a slightly long clip. um, And this is not from the very first episode of um, Blake seven, because it it actually takes a couple of episodes to get into it. Let me just tell you that um, uh, this series set uh, in a future age of interstellar travel and follows the exploits of a group of renegades and convicted criminals. Uh, Gareth Thomas played the titular character of Rog Blake, uh, a political dissident who is arrested, tried and convicted on false charges and is being deported from Earth to a prison planet, uh, Cygnus Alpha. And uh, other prisoners are being involved there. And an incident happens during the the course where um, they come across this abandoned ship about to, uh, to crash into a sun and the the uh, officials, not wanting to risk their own lives, force uh, a few of Blake and a few other people into that ship, which we know and become to love as the Liberator. So what I'm going to do is play a slightly long clip. None of the other clips will be as long as this, I don't think, uh, of uh, from Series 1, Episode 3, called Cygnus Alpha. Then we'll go straight to Kobo, uh, and that will give him time to get ready. This is Civil Administration Ship London, in transit from Earth to Cygnus Alpha, transporting prisoners to the penal colony. We have sustained crew casualties during an attempted mutiny by prisoners. Five dead, including Sub-Commander Raker. Three prisoners escaped in a spacecraft of unknown origin. Prisoners Blake, Stannis, and Avon. The London is again under authorized control and proceeding to destination. Message ends. Retransmit to Earth on priority circuit. Confirm, please. We have confirmation. Will they go after, Blake? They have no choice. I'll never find him out there. I said, sir, I'll never find him out there. They won't have to. He'll find them. I think so. Whoever they were, they certainly knew something about engineering. I'd feel a lot happier if we knew what had happened to them. Blake, what do you make of this? Some sort of storage space? Possibly. Look. Careful. Handgun? It's a bit elaborate for a toothpick. Depends how elaborate their teeth were. That one's hot. No, it isn't. That one is, though. Jenna? What is it? It seems to be an armory. Take that one there. Be careful, though. It may be hot. No, I don't think so. No, it isn't. Single function isomorphic response. What? I think he means it'll only let us have one gun each. Well, it certainly gives one a feeling of independence. What does? This. You're a free man. That's right. So I am. How does she handle, Jenna? It's almost as if you were alive. Well, I must say, all this technology has an organic feel about it. It's not just advanced, it's... Conceptually alien? Yes. There are a lot of controls that I haven't dared touch yet. 
Well, I doubt whether we'd understand the manual, so uh, go ahead and try one. Go on. Well, don't blame me if it self-destructs. I doubt that I'll ever speak to you again. Okay, here we go. And there, of course, we, we meet uh, Roger Blake. Kerr Avon, of course, Avon plays an ex electronics and computer expert uh, who once attempted to steal 500 million credits from the Federation banking system. And uh, we also heard uh, Stena, Jenna Stannis, uh, who is a glamorous space smuggler and a skilled pilot. Um, but let's hear from Kobo, who is a big fan of this series. Uh, let me just disagree with you from the outset, because right from the way back, um, Blake breaks out of the place where they all live, which is a class 5 felony right from the outset. So you're not even allowed to go outside, and we learned that the food, the water, etc., and even the air are dosed with suppressants, so we know right away that the Federation is quite evil. nefarious and evil. And he goes to this resistance meeting, and the resistance people try to surrender peacefully and try to say, no, 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 this is a civil protest, and they're just massacred. And it doesn't really let up from there. I mean, they try to convince Blake that he's going nuts, and when they can't do that, they bring him up on child rape charges, which is why he's deported to Cygnus Alpha, and we learn before the series starts that he was a political dissident who, um had quite a following at one point. So, the administration decides we can't just murder this guy. We have to go in, fiddle about with his brain. Discredit him, don't they? Yeah. Fiddle about with his brain. They do some psychotherapy and make him come out all pro-administration. They kill his family, but send him visit tapes of his sister and nieces and nephews to make him believe that they're still alive. And it's just a really, really dark show at the beginning. Yeah, I, I should have said that. I mean, really, what I meant was the actual adventure begins about the third one. And uh, this, by the way, is a time when you watch TV. They didn't do backstories. They told you the story from the beginning. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, there, there was an awful lot of uh, uh, important stuff that, that that set the whole scene. Why that you, you threw your lot in with Blake, and uh, you know, um, it's it's often been said many times since this period that you know, um, you know, uh, one country's freedom fighters are another, uh, you know, another country's uh, you know uh, renegades and uh, people are out to destroy things and. Uh, uh, we we have it very clearly set out, as you quite aptly put it there, that um, this is a very repressive regime, uh, total control of all the media, and um, Blake even the people is, is is thrust into the limelight like this um, after they try and discredit him. But back to you, Coba. And um, what I found interesting is 
people are even scared of going outside. Like when the lawyer goes outside to try to prove or disprove the veracity of what Blake's saying, he's like, the girl that's with him is like, oh, I've never been outside. And the lawyer guy is like, I've been outside, but I didn't like it much. So it's almost like they're conditioned to stay inside this bubble. And this isn't some backwater planet we're talking about. This is Earth. Mm. You know what? I, you know what I mean? If they have that much rigid control over Earth, what did what in the heck is it like in those backwater car colonies? Um. And after Blake gets put up on charges, we meet interesting characters like Villa and. Avon, as you've already mentioned. I love the byplay between Avon, Jenna, and um, Blake. It's a really character-driven show, and that's why I'm amazed that Darth doesn't like it. Um, perhaps we'll um, hear more about that later, but um, it's just really, really good character-driven sci-fi, and even the ship itself is a character. Zan becomes, I don't want to say his own person, but definitely his own personality very, very early on. The episode, The Web, comes to mind. He advises them not to go into that scenario, but he won't or can't tell them why. And a very, very large part of the show is figuring out why Zan helps them to the degree that it does, but can't help them otherwise. And and does anybody see similarities between the way Commander Travis dresses and the way um, the Peacekeepers look in Farscape? Or is that just me? I'm trying. I'm trying to bring them to mind, so I can't. I can't actually at the moment. But uh, I figured Ian would be in there like a shot. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of um, the way Travis would dress. Hmm. I have to get back to you on that one. I have to look at the picture. <laughs> um. I like Gan because each character has a fatal flaw and he has a limiter that doesn't allow him to kill people. And he uses that to his advantage. Like when he's bullying guards on the London, obviously they don't know about the limiter in his head that doesn't allow him to kill them, but he threatens to kill them anyway. Yeah, if if people are not sure they have not seen it and are, and are, are wanting us to give them some information about this, I mean, if if you think of um, this as um, you know as Blake as Robin Hood, uh, then Gans is Little John, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> little in the ironical sense. Yeah, yeah, he's a big muscular man. Um. And Villa is just a very talented lockpick and thief. And, um, 
Another character you didn't mention is Cassie. She comes on later, and she's a telepath, and she is, I would say, the most empathetic character of the show. Of course, I'm only mostly done with season one, so I can only speak to as much as I've seen, but apparently... Blake is causing so much disruption that the president herself has become involved in the manhunt. And, um, what I find interesting about Travis's helpers is they have to regulate their body temperature and drink blood, and I can see a lot of parallels between Farscape and this, and I can see also a lot of parallels between, um, oh my gosh, my mind just blanked. I can see a lot of parallels between Firefly and this as well. Just the way the crew of the Liberator interacts with each other. I mean, there's lots of parallels, isn't it? I mean, you can go all the way back to, uh, Kurosawa's uh, Seven Samurai, uh, the Magnificent Seven. Um, it, it's basically, you know, this 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 lone group that's a, a renegade group, um, being more of a, a you know a, a fly buzzing an elephant really in the um, in the scheme of things. Um, but of course, uh, they build up this uh, this reputation over the course of the thing. Uh, but there are some character changes and. Um, uh, we may talk about some of those as we move forward. My favorite episode, so far at least, is the one where um, this really powerful race of beings make Travis and Blake um, fight one-on-one. -on -one. But they're not allowed to kill each other. I'm looking at the episode guy now trying to See which episode that was. Um, hang uh, on. Well, I'll tell you what, let, give you a moment to do that. Let me play a second clip. Uh, the second clip is from towards the end of series one, uh, episode 13, in actual fact. I thought I'd put three there, but it's 13. Uh, this is where they're actually uh, searching for. Uh, they're taking medicines to this chap, but they're also looking out for uh, a computer called Aurac. So let me play that while um, Kobo gets ready. And again, these may be spoilers if you haven't uh, watched the series, so decide yourself whether you want to listen to these little clips. This one is... It's one Callie. I messed oh, up on okay. the name of the new crew member. Her name's Callie. And she first appears in Time Squad, which is one of my favorite episodes. Because that, that's the first time they go on the offensive directly against the Federation. Right. And, and is that the one where, which has the fight in it as well? Or is that a separate uh, no, link? That was... A, I was just mentioning Callie earlier, who's telepathic and one of the most empathetic characters in the show... So I figured I'd better correct myself on that one. Right. Right. 
Yeah, we've we've got uh, Rog 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 Blake. That's spelled R O J. Curaven. Um, we've got Jenna. We've heard of this Villa, as you mentioned, the the, the skilled thief and and uh, coward. But although he's not always cowardly, um, but it uses a, a form of defence. Um, we we have um, a couple of others that come in later. Uh, Gan, uh, unfortunately, is um, uh, not in the series for a great length of time. So we we always have seven characters, usually six people. And in, in obviously in the first place, it's the the computer voice of the uh, liberator that makes up the seventh one. So let me play this next clip. This is a from series one, episode thirteen, uh, one minute twenty three seconds. If you don't want to be spoiled, put this on. What is it? Well, if you can uh, get rid of that force barrier, then we can teleport you directly from here. Oh, it's not practical. Why not? Oh, if I were to disconnect it now, it would be. Well, five hours before he dissipates, and I haven't got five hours. No, no, we've got to get to the surface. Blake, I think I found enough for everybody. Oh, good, but at least the others will be all right. Well, I'm ready. Shall we get started? Oh, wait a minute. There is something else. What, what about Orac? Orac? Of course, yes, I can't leave Orac here. That was the message we were to give you. Your son says the Federation is willing to pay a hundred million for Orac. Ah, they're willing to pay, are you? Well, he's worth ten times that much. Now, come on, young man, help me, help me, help me. I'm going to get him out of here. Quick, quick. Come on. Careful, careful. Put him over here. You should be able to carry him between you. This is Orac. A hundred million for that. Is it a computer? It most certainly is not. It is a brain, a genius. It has a mind that can draw information from every computer containing one of my cells. Orac has access to the sum total of all the knowledge of all the known worlds. You mean it can draw information from any other computer without a direct link? Precisely that, yes. Now, are you going to stand there and listen to a lecture? Huh? Or might you consider it more important to try and sustain my life? Uh, and that uh, voice you may well have recognised playing Ensor, the designer of Orac is uh, Peter Tundam, who, of course, has been in Doctor Who... Um, uh, what did he mean in... Um, episodes Ark in Space, uh, The Mask of Mandragora, and Time and the Rani. Um, but um, th- there he is playing... Um, and he also plays the, the, the voice of Zen. Uh, he also plays the voice of Aura. And he also plays the voice of Slave. All three different computers that play their parts in different series of uh, like seven um, so come on Cobo we're, we're depending on you rather a lot so do you want to move forward and talk some more I know you probably went to mute while we did that ok well uh, I'm not hearing Cobo uh, Cobra, uh, let me just... You mentioned that Darth is not a fan of this series, but I thought, actually, Darth did enjoy the audio adventures, but Darth's here. Would you like to speak up for yourself, Darth? Do you have an opinion I, on Blake? I just dropped out of here. I just dropped out of here for a second. The episode that I was oh. looking for was called Duel. Oh, OK. Um, well, if you just wait a moment, Darth, let's see. Or, um, OK, let me find that one while... You mention what you want to talk about. Um, it's one where um, Blake and Callie and Travis and one of his 
assistants are in like the most dangerous game setting and it's ostensibly a fight to death but at the last second some more powerful beings put a halt to the duel as it, as it were and don't allow Right, Travis. episode 8 it is from series 1. Yeah. That's my favourite episode so far. Right. Okay. Um, let's um, let's see if uh, Darth uh, wants to uh, make his feelings known on 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 Blake Seven. Then Darth. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't really have a a, a uh, terribly detailed. Responses. I'm sorry, I'm picking up a lot of echo. Maybe a uh, cover could be muted. That'd be good. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Blade Seven is not a series that I've devoted a lot of time rewatching. It was a, a series that I've, I've watched exactly once. I did watch everything, but I watched it exactly once. Um, my attention flagged at several points, and I'm not going to tell you that I concentrated on watching every single episode, but at least I had. You know, it opened in a window somewhere on my computer, and at least I was listening to the the audio the whole way through. But um, the number of things that I don't like about it include the fact that um, it there, there's a huge difference between the pilot and even the rest of series one, and certainly there's a difference between the pilot and what eventually comes to be um, the storylines as we get to series three and series four. Uh, I mean, I think that this is one series that absolutely required to my mind for my taste um the titular character and why it would continue it still baffles me to this day why is it continued to be called blake seven after blake leaves the cast that doesn't make any sense to me yeah uh, for those who don't know it very well he leaves quite early on yeah yeah um I mean, granted, he does come back, I suppose, a couple of episodes in, in three and four. Or is it just four? I can't quite remember. I know it comes he back to the final episode. He comes back to the final episode, certainly. Yeah. Uh, and there's one, I, you know, I think. Yeah. And then another one where there's like a clone of him or something stupid That's like it, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so it fundamentally, the show doesn't make sense to me because its title doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's about. It, it is equivalent to. And I know that a lot of Doctor Who fans out there are going to be awfully precious about this, but let us be honest and say that when Doctor Who was created, that was the description of a of the, the titular character. I mean, the character was fundamentally called Doctor Who and remained, you know, called Doctor Who. And still to this day, you even hear, you know, David Tennant, you know, big fanboy David Tennant in interviews outside of the normal you know, fanish press saying, you know, I played Doctor Who. There's no pretense that I played the Doctor. The Anyway, it's like saying, what happened to Blake Seven is like saying, okay, we're going to call it Doctor Who, but we're going to remove the character of the Doctor. Then why is it called Doctor Who? You know, and that fundamentally is, is a problem that I have with Blake Seven. It, it, it always seemed to me to be selling a bill of goods. You know, the the first episode was actually really good. I, I And I, I, I do recommend that anybody who is a serious student of British television 
or science fiction, watch the first episode of Blake Seven. Uh, it's it's pretty awesome, actually. Um, but then the story is not really about that anymore. I mean, sort of it kind of vaguely is about them being on the run from the Federation, kind of, but it's not nearly as dark. And I think even Kobo has just sort of said that, that, you know, initially the series is really dark, and then it becomes, you know, kind of vaguely Robin Hood-like, so Band of Merry Men, though, you know, the Merry Men are sometimes not so merry, but they basically are on in missions that don't really add up to a whole lot. Uh, and, I, and I know that in Series 2, there's this attempt to have an actual story arc and that, you know, it's all about storming this one, you know, really important Federation base or whatever. Uh, but still, it, it, it's pretty, it's pretty far away from the, I think, esoteric, almost literary ambitions of the first episode and becomes very quickly just sort of yeah, let's have some adventures and the only thing different between us and um, you know Star Trek is that ooh we're slightly bad um, you know basically that makes it a poor man's Deep Space Nine in a way and, and not really anything groundbreaking not really it's not even as close to or at least as intellectually honest as uh, Firefly. And a lot of people have said, you know, Firefly and this have a lot in common. Not really. Um, Firefly is, is definitely a lot more, you know, historically derived. I mean, we know this. We know for a fact that it, it is historically derived and it's not really based on this. It the, the problem with me that I have when I start to think about Blake 7 is trying to figure out what it is, because it goes through so many different changes, not only you know from series to series, but I think within the series it's you know it's hard to say what are they doing, what are they focused on, what is their goal, what is their you know modus operandi and 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 if you can't do that, then it becomes awfully hard at least for me to justify. The incredibly, I mean, incredibly crap production values. People give Doctor Who of this time a, a, a hard time for the the um, wobbly sets and the the various special effects disasters that are present in Doctor Who. But really, it's nothing compared to Blake Seven. Blake Seven is infinitely worse, and the reason Blake Seven is so bad is because they're always on that damn spaceship. They're always in space. They're always in, you know, science fictional environments. You know, and I guess I should say, if they're not in the spaceship, then they've, you know, put on these stupid bracelets, and that's been their transporter, and I'm, you know, fully using air quotes, uh, down to a facility that is equally crap in design. Um, it, 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 Blink Seven is it was their quite, location actually it wasn't their transporter the device on the ship did the transporter it was only their locking device ever geek calm down it's the same thing as a transporter I mean it has the same basic effect narratively um, and and you know where wherever they are within the you know story it it is like honestly. 
you are watching four years of the Horns of Naimon. Not even that. Well, what's the other one that's with the, with the, the mandrel? No, well, yeah, kind of. But Twin Dilemma is sort of better set. Um, no, what's the one with the mandrels and the uh, Nightmare on Eden? That's really what it is. It, it is literally the Nightmare on Eden over and over and over and over again. And it is so hard to watch. So hard. Uh, I, I really... You know, I can't generally say to anybody, yeah, you need to watch Blake 7. I can say to, again, film students and serious students of science fiction, you need to watch the pilot. But, you know, if if you're a fan, if you're listening to this podcast because you're a fan of modern Doctor Who, and you think, oh, this show might be related to modern Doctor Who because it, you know, it uses some of the shared, same production shared, personnel, same generation. Yeah, but also shared, you know, Terry Nation and, and Daniel Maloney and, and um, uh, Chris Boucher and, you know, some other behind-the-scenes people. And so it's, you know, production-related to uh, Doctor Who. Let me show you, you don't need to go back and watch this show. I mean, you really don't because it is, it, it is worse than Doctor Who in terms of its um, uh, visual effects, in terms of its set design, in terms of the look of it. Um, in terms of even the conceits of it, you know, at least Doctor Who has a beautiful conceit, which is, you know, here's a guy who's got a spaceship that's bigger on the inside than the outside, and it can go anywhere in time and space, and so that becomes your portal, and that's easy to understand. That's also easy to to um, depict as a metaphor. You know, all you have to do is just here's the police box. People go in and out of the door. Ooh, it's like you know, it's a ma- magician's trick, and you can show that, you know. With the technology that is available to you in 1963, okay. The problem with Blake Seven is the conceit is horrible. They keep changing, you know what what ship are we on? I mean, it's never even the same ship. Um, and I know uh, that well, there's nar- and I know there's a narrative reason. I understand yeah, they yeah. go from one to the other. I'm not suggesting that it is not explained. I am just saying. If you're, it is not a series that is easily dipped into and out of because you'll be, if you go, you know, episode one and then you go, you know, episode five of series three, you'll be like, what the hell happened? You know, where's Blake? Where's the ship? What, what's Orac? What, you know, you're going to, you got all these changing elements uh, that, are, that are coming forward and it just makes it really hard to follow, I think, casually. And the thing is, you know, again, for me, and, you know, I've watched a lot of British television. I've watched a lot of I watched every episode there is to watch of Doctor Who. I cannot I, like I said once because I forced myself to do it, I watched every episode of Blake 7. But it is really really hard going. Now, you mentioned audio stuff. There is a new audio series. I haven't actually heard it. Um, because again, my my resistance to the whole concept is high, um, but I'm tempted a little bit because we're talking here about a, a version of Blake Seven that doesn't use these, generally speaking, awful actors. I'm sorry, but Paul Darrow, crap actor, really horrible actor, uh, and I know that he. A lot of people just love Paul Darrow, but he honestly is really bad. He is an well, over. If you like James, if you like, if you like the James Kirk type of acting, then 
No, no, no. Did you even put him in the same uh, space as William Shatner? At least William Shatner has the... Oh, God. No, no. Absolutely not. He is He is just horrible. I mean... And I think, and I guess the reason I'm raging against him is because so many Americans think he was really good, you know, and thinking that he was actually the star of the show. Well, he was the star by attrition, I suppose. Um, but really, there are a lot better and more subtle British actors out there, and people who you know hitch their wagon to this guy. Just you know, I don't have, I have problems with people like that in the same way that I have problems with people who say who bow down and genuflect to Patrick Stewart as, you know, the second coming of the Christ-like actor God, uh, which is totally not true, you know. Um, there's not really any great acting that's going on whatsoever. Um, occasionally, even, you know, people also look at Servalan and they say, oh, she was great, Jacqueline Pierce, and, you know, not really. She's also heavily overacting. There are a couple of points where she's a little bit better. Um, as I recall in season two. Um, and, you know, in fairness, she's not given that much subtlety to work with in, in terms of the script. But on those rare occasions where she is given a little something to, I, I you know, I would sort of submit that she might be the best actor in the entire um, regular or recurring cast. But generally speaking, not a well acted show. Certainly, the music. Oh my God, you played that 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 dreadful theme music, which is comical, comical at best. And, and, and judging does it, it by those standards, are today's standards. I'm judging it by the same standards that I would judge the Doctor Who theme, which was, you know, I don't know, uh, what would that be? Fifteen years at senior. Um, All right. You know, I mean, don't tell me that you can't make good, serious, interesting theme music by 1978, because, of course, you can. Um, but it doesn't even fit. The weird thing, I mean, it really doesn't even fit what the the subject material is, nor do the graphics. I mean, the graphics and the music the sound like... So cool. Oh, my God, the Beyond Poor. Um, it sounds like and looks like... Something from Hitchhiker's Guide, maybe. The, and I'm talking about here, you know, the TV version. Yeah. Um, uh, but mixed in with some Monty Python. You know, certainly the graphics are, are, are verging on the same sort of process that, uh, you know, it was Terry Gilliam or whoever used to make the uh, yeah. all those interstitial bits in Monty Python. And, you know... Again, it, it's another area in which I think that we are being sold a bill of goods with Blake Seven. I mean, that it makes you think that we are looking at what will be, you know, something along the lines of Red Dwarf. I guess that you know we're, we're being led into a comedy, and then it turns out not only not to be a comedy but a drama, and you know, at least initially, a fairly dark drama, and then later on. You know what does it mean at all? I mean, it's not even that, that later as you get into it, it's not even dark drama. It's just sort of melodrama, um, and I don't know. And, and the, the other thing I really hold against this series really strongly is is this is series four. 
not only because it's crap, and I think that a lot of people would agree that most of Ser- Series 4 is not on the same level as the rest of it. Um, I, I hold it against the people who made it that when they were unexpectedly commissioned to do it, mm-hmm. they didn't say, you know what? We don't have it in us to do it. Um, and instead they said, you know, we want to eat, we want to get, you know, paid, we want to have our, our salary. And they, they went ahead and they made something that was really not good. And they made it just because they got commissioned. They didn't make it really because they were trying to do something awesome. Or if they were trying, then they, they that makes it even worse in a way because they, they really didn't have the ability to do it. Um, it, it it's sad because there are, there are plenty of examples of cases where you know people in similar situations said to the people who were commissioning them, "Look, we just don't have any more, and we're not going to do any more." Uh, and I, I just have a lot of respect for people who do that, and I have no respect for people who don't do that. I mean, you should know if you're going to do something with the millions of dollars or even the hundreds of thousands, as it might have been for this. Um, Do something good. Don't do something just because you were commissioned to do it. Um, And and I'm not saying turn down the commission. Don't get me wrong. I I got no problem. Even if they were not expecting to do it, if, if they had... Just said, you know what? Let us think about it. Give us like a week. Give us a night. Give us some time to see if we got anything in in us to do it, and we'll do that. And we'll we'll come up with something. And if we can't come up with something, we'll tell you that we can't come up with it. But I think that you know, throughout its history, in a way, Blake Seven was always plagued by that. They were always kind of doing a little bit more than they should have been doing. Series one, you know, even. The, the conditions under which Ronnie Marsh, you know, who was, what was he? He was the, um, oh, what would he, he was either head of BBC television or he was uh, head of serials, probably head of serials, head of drama at the time, who would have sort of commissioned the thing. You know, he said, all right, Terry Nation, uh, you can go off and, and do this series that you just pitched to me, but the conditions are you got to write something like 10 episodes of the thirteen. And, you know, Nation said okay to that. He just said, yeah, I'll do that. And got himself into real trouble and never went back to Ronnie Marsh, apparently, and said, you know what? I really cannot fulfill this commission because I just have run out of ideas. Can I just, you know, give a few episodes away to other people? Because Terry Nation, of course, wanted the money, you know, from the commission, from the original deal. And... You know, you you can see, especially by the time you get to like Bounty, which is whatever series, I think it's like episode ten or eleven or whatever of series one. He is done. Nation is totally tapped of ideas, and Bounty is one of the worst things I've ever had to endure. I think in terms of British television, it is horrible, and yet it is within the season that is nominally the best. But I, I just, I really think with Blake Seven, you you have this. It's not the same thing as what you get with like Doctor Who today, or with um, in it, not just Doctor Who, but like most commissions on on BBC, Pranface, uh, his and her, whatever the the commissions of are, are now you know tell me a story, 
and you'll get six episodes. Not, you know, we need to make 13 episodes. You need to figure out how to do 13 episodes. Um, I don't know. This, Blake 7 is such an atypical British drama. It's much more, historically, production-wise, much more like an American drama in terms of the way that you know the the people who are making it behave the way that it's so obvious they're just you know padding out things because that was the commission that they got uh, the way that you know people jealously guarded their own commissions instead of uh trying to you know have sort of a group think about things and really you know work it around the way that you know Terry Nation's not actually um Sort of, I mean, he is sort of in charge, but he's sort of not in charge. Um, he's much more concerned about his own individual episodes, I think, than the the broader well-being of the show. It's just everything about this, from a production standpoint, is just toxic to me. Um, and every time I watch it, that's all. That's all I, you know, I can just see. You know, you don't have a showrunner. You don't have somebody. The producer. As much as I like, you know, Maloney as a director on Doctor Who, whatever, the producer is just not, Maloney's not Barry Letts. Maloney's not Hinchcliffe. Uh, he is a director who is trying to play producer. And he's not integrating all of the elements of the, um, uh, all the different departments, you know, so that the, the set design is poor, so that, you know, the visual effects are not as good as, you know, Doctor Who was even getting out of visual effects at the time. Uh, it's just ah, the whole thing. It just is not congealed. It's a, it's like a good idea, and so I can see. You know, maybe the maybe the audio plays are great because the central idea is really good, but I really think the execution is just horrible. And that's where I'll leave it. Okay. Um, well, let me hope I can speak eloquently in the defense but let me play a clip first let me play uh, a clip from um episode uh, series two episode eight so again if you don't want to be spoiled this is uh two minutes uh and just eight seconds jenna did you hear that yes it sounds as though bill is in trouble i'm teleporting him now i'll be with you away from those switches. Who are you? What do you want? You are Jenna. What is the state of the ship? We're in stationary orbit. We're on automatic. You will fly the ship for Travis. Wait. Over there. Quickly. You are Carrie. Yes. What's happened to our friends? They're dead. What? I don't believe it. Show me the ship. I must learn about it. You're a crimo, aren't you? I have a high intelligence quotient, but I enjoy inflicting pain, and that I am a true criminal, so don't be stupid. Do as I say, show me the flight deck. No. If you kill us, you won't be able to fly this ship on your own. I'll take that chance. Will you? Move. What happened? They teleported one of the crimos up to the Liberator. You told them how to do it. No, I didn't. Travis tricked me. That wouldn't be too difficult. So now they have the Liberator. What have I done to deserve this? 
How long a list would you like? Leave him alone. There's no point. Blake, listen. Sit down. Don't talk. Save oxygen. Listen. I sent a message to Space Command Headquarters to serve a lad. That Travis was here. You did what? I set the dogs on Travis. What's so strange about that? Why? It seemed the only rational thing to do. I thought they would get here ahead of us, get Travis, and save us the trouble. So this is all your fault? How do you arrive at that conclusion? I'd still be on the ship if it wasn't for you. Shut up. We must conserve the air for as long as possible. How long have we got? Minutes. How many? I'll let you know. And um, what I'm going to do is, and I'm not going to refute what you said, Darth, because I think all the points you've made are, are, are true, but I don't think that the, the series has... Uh, you know, is 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 all in, in that vein. Um, certainly, um, it, it, it took a left turn halfway on. You may argue that uh, Gareth Edwards left because he was dissatisfied by the fact that it had re- degenerated into a sort of space uh, opera, space melodrama. Quite rightly, as you said, and Kobo said at the beginning, and I did skip over it. Uh, the, the actual scene setting in the first episode was very strong. But on the other hand, when you think of the start of Doctor Who, uh, we had a very strong episode followed by uh, less than adequate stories uh, f- immediately following on. Um, so um, it, it has obviously survived that. Um, that uh, well, it was it was a good. It was in the tradition of British sci-fi, you know, the um, what, what became, you know, uh, Quatermass and all these kinds of things. But then, as you say, it went into an adventure. Um, we did find that um, that the the Avon character then became and, and was firmly the fan favourite, really, because he was the he was the uh, the person that uh, really things evolved around because he would he, he would try and be too clever by half. Uh, and of course, uh, Blake's moral compass, in some ways, was limiting the adventures that they could have. Um, so, um, at the end of series two, uh, Gareth Edwards uh, playing Blake and Sally uh, Crinnell, is it, um, who played Jenna, uh, they decided to leave. And of course, that was the episode Star One, which uh, they were only contracted to do the two series. Uh, as to the things about the omens, about it being successful. Uh, when it, when it was pitched by Terry Nation, you know he did the first script, did the second script, and then it was taken up. It was confirmed that it was going to do 13 episodes. Um, uh, Marsh asked Nation to deliver a further five scripts. It was intended that 13 episodes of Blake, and this is from the wiki page, History of Blake Seven, would be produced to replace the police drama Softly Softly Task Force, and uh, Blake would write the first. Sorry, Nation would write the first seven episodes. Uh, the following four were written by other writers, and then Nation would have to write a two-part series finale as well. Now, some people have said that, um, you know, uh, with modern Doctor Who, um, it's sometimes a little bit difficult to have the showrunner, the, the the chief producer, writing so many episodes because it, it requires so much of a single person. And here's um, Terry Nation basically almost writing, well, writing nine episodes of 13. Um and you're right, it was a sort of a mixed path, uh, match group at the beginning. Of course, um, Kerr Raven, I mean, when they found the Liberator, uh, they also found a, a, an absolute treasure trove of stuff on the ship. Uh, so he was quite happy to let run as far as we can uh, and basically, um, you know, go our way, be buccaneers on the uh, space sea, as it were. Um, but, but I think there was a lot to commend it. Uh, there, it was a limited budget. 
Um, but but again, maybe it was very silver costumey. It was. Um, uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you said about the acting, um, I thought Paul Dara, Darrow was absolutely brilliantly cast as Avon. But I'm not saying he's a, an actor of any breadth. But I thought that he played that part very well. I would say uh, the best actress I would think on the series um, was, was the one that came in uh, later. And um, I'm just looking for a name now. Sue Lin, played by Glynis Barber, who was um, uh, joined her own detective series later. Uh, I'm trying to remember what that was called now. Um, Dempsey and Makepeace. She became... Um, Sergeant Harriet Makepeace in Dempsey and Makepeace, which I, I quite enjoyed. Very uh, uh, good in that. So I would have said she was pretty good uh, in the series as acting. Uh, let me play an, another clip and then um, we'll, um, we will be going soon on to the actual um, audio clip. So I'll give you a chance to hear a little bit about that. Um, let me do that now. This one's, again, just two minutes. This is from uh, Series 2, Episode 13 terminal. All details of Blake's treatment are being programmed into the computers. There are ample supplies of all the drugs and medicines he will require. In approximately three months, he should be well enough to move. The space vessel I use to come here will be at your disposal. It's rather old-fashioned, slow, but it will take you where you want to go. Are you sure you've covered everything? I don't think of anything I've missed. There's a light beam voice link directed at the Liberator. You'll contact the ship. Talent, Callie, and Dana will teleport to this location. Villa will stay on board to operate the teleport to bring me up. You have my word, but he will be teleported down to you immediately. I have control. It's a very reasonable contract, Avon. You have your lives, lake, and transportation out of here. And you have the best ship in space. The pattern for a fleet. You really think you can duplicate the Liberator? I've assembled a team of scientists who are sure they can. In fact, they stake their lives on it. And with a fleet like that, I can unite and rule as nobody has ever ruled before. What if the crew won't obey me? Oh, I don't think that's likely. I have Blake. I have you. Call the ship. I was right. I knew you'd never let Blake die. Death is something that he and I faced together on a number of occasions. I always thought that his death and mine might be linked in some way. The Brazier. This is Avon. Do you read? Avon? Where are you? No questions. Just do as I tell you and do it immediately. Take the Liberator out of here. Maximum speed. Go and keep going. No! It's important, Villa. Do it now. You fool! No! Avon! Avon! Uh, and one of the great things about uh, that I like, that Avon and Servalan, who were obviously uh, uh, enemies at one time, they were really fascinated with one or two uh, with each other, and there were quite a few great scenes with them together. Now, and uh, again, I will agree with Darth, uh, series uh, four, the, the, the final series, was poor. But actually, uh, one of my favourite episodes was from series four, the very first one, uh, episode called Rescue, uh, because it had a, a really great idea in it where they're actually uh, saved by uh, 
a chap in a, a ship called Scorpio, uh, a chap called Dorian. And of course, it is uh, the clues pretty much there in his name. It's a sort of version of Do- the Dorian Gray story. Won't spoil it for you, but um, if you want to try series four, if you're just going to pick one or two episodes. And by the way, I, I did discover when doing some audio clips for this that on YouTube, there are some um, episodes that you can actually watch in their entirety on YouTube. So uh, if 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 you uh, defer to Darth's uh, uh, rating on this show and you don't want to actually uh, splash out the cash, as it were, uh, just check out YouTube. You can probably get an idea of whether this is a series for new or not. Now, I have got uh, a big spoiler ending clip, but I think I'll save that for a moment. Let's just hear a little bit of the cast and crew talking. They're talking on a Jonathan Ross uh, show, and this is from um, 1988, 10 years after it. And um, the YouTube person uh, who put this up uh, is Maxi Power 8 with the number 8 being there, not spelt. So if, uh, if you go to youtube and put in maxi power eight you should be able to find this interview and that will also give you some links to other blake seven stuff and this is a, a an interview uh, clip star trek may be the most famous example of the genre but my first guests in their quiet homegrown way are equally as revered and just as deeply missed reunited from all 19 corners of the universe please welcome from blake seven gareth thomas michael keating and jacqueline pierce <laughs> Well, thanks very much for joining us this evening. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan, I'm a fan of most science fiction stuff on TV, but I remember Blake Seven very fondly. Remind me now, uh, Gareth, I told you, because you were Blake, of course. Yes. Um, before the beard, you were Blake. Yes, yes. and before the weight went on and, oh, uh, yeah. and the hair went grey. And, yeah. uh, uh, now, how long ago? How long ago was it the series actually ended? I think it was ten years it actually finished. A long time, isn't it? But it's, 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 kept, it's been kept going in America over here. It's extraordinary. And they just released them on video as well, yes, haven't they? Yeah. they we're in the top ten. Fantastic. There you go. <laughs> Just meet my postman, Pat and B- Bill and Ben or something. Yeah. Well, between them. Did it surprise you that it has such a following? I mean, when you do it at the time, did you think that it would live on? Uh... Not live on as much as it has, but yes, we thought it was going to be a cult program. Yeah. Because uh, any science fiction is. Look at Star Trek, look at Doctor Who. Do you think that was the appeal, or do you think there was actually more than just the fact that the genre was science fiction? No, I think it was, it was a totally new concept at the time. Um, and it just took off, and it was wonderful. We actually beat Coronation Street by one episode. <laughs> <laughs> now, Michael, you were Vila, of course. I was. You were always the coward. Well, yes, I was careful about what I did, where I went. Um, in fact, uh, they did change, uh, change my character slightly in one episode because uh, my daughter, Lisa, she was six, and said, what a Burke you are, Father. <laughs> and I told the script editor, and he actually wrote an episode for me where I um, killed the villain, got the girl, and then left her on the planet. So it changed slightly. <laughs> Just a little bit there. Yeah. But and the part that I remember basically was, was the fight against tyranny. It That's was right. you versus the Federation, yeah. the evil Federation, yeah. as personified by Jacqueline Herwell, which we'll get onto in a minute. But do you think, was there more to it? Was there a sort of subplot that I we think were... There, I think originally it was going to be a sort of dirty dozen in space, but there was a big thing about violence on television um, in 1978. I don't mm-hmm. remember. You could only afford seven, anyway. That's, well... <laughs> was that why it was seven? That's why it wasn't Blake's 23 or something? Yeah, just, a, just a budgetary thing. <laughs> there were only six of us, as I remember. And the voice. And the voice. The honorary seventh, I believe, is in the audience this evening. Um, Jacqueline, you played... Now, what was the name of your character again? Seven. That was a great, a great character as well. She was a, a nasty piece of work, wasn't she? A baddie. A baddie. Thank you, Gaza. <laughs> uh, and uh, by the way, Gareth Edwards, um, people are fans uh, of, of Doctor Who and so on, uh, will perhaps... Well, actually, not... Doctor Who was Torchwood. He um, 
Gareth Edwards played a, a small part in uh, an episode of Torchwood called Ghost Machine. Obviously, he had a fantastic career other than that, but uh, people of science fiction may remember that. Uh, now, let's just go on a little bit to audio, and um, if anybody wants to jump in, Darth, if you want to come back on anything, please feel free to do so. But um, this is um, a little clip from the, the, the first box set of... Um, uh, it was called uh, Rebel, Traitor and Liberator. So there were, there were three stories in this box set. So this will give you an idea. Now, this is rather a long clip from the audio, but it actually is from the, the B7 media site, which I'll put the link in the room in a moment. And the, the, the clip there is, um, is their preview clip. So they're using this to advertise it. So I feel quite at liberty to play it. In the 23rd century, the Galactic Federation was no longer a beacon of democracy and peace. It had become a corrupt tyranny ruled by elite factions who care nothing for the fate of ordinary people. Freedom and justice are things of the past. One man chose to oppose this. This man is a career terrorist. He will not hesitate to kill you. Forget, and it will be the last thing you ever do. Yes, sir. Blue 5. Blue 5 receiving. You will go for hard target entry and capture. Acknowledge. Project Tangent going in now. Terran Federation versus Citizen Roger Blake. Have you plead? Not guilty, Your Honor. Good evening, Engineer Blake. My name is Savalan. No doubt you know who I am. When one is getting crucified, it's always useful to know who's banging in the nails. Rog Blake, you have been found guilty of a series of most heinous crimes. I have no alternative than to sentence you to deportation to the prison planet Cygnus Alpha for the rest of your natural life. This is the Petazano system. Twelve hours ago, we jump in and we find this. But that's bigger than a battleship. Mm. The derelict is on a collision course with this gas giant here. Nine hours after we rendezvous. Splat. We want you to salvage the derelict. I can't do it on my own. I need help. Subject Avon Terra successfully revived. Really? How unfortunate for you. Somebody has to steer it and sort out the control integration, and no one person can do all that in nine hours. Subject Dennis, Jenna, successfully revived. Listen, Blake, I'm a spacer. I'm not interested in Earth. Helmets on. Cycle the lock. Opening lock now. Defensive robot. Mezzin, two more behind you. Is that all of them? Mezzin? We're so screwed. Do you have a plan B? I always have a plan B. Death or freedom? You decide. Blake 7 returns. Season 1 box set available now at b7media.com. Confirmed.
so you can see from that they are full audio plays. Um, they're not just uh, you know reading from the script. Uh, some uh, voices you may have recognised there. Doctor Moon, Colin Salmon was in there. Uh, India Fisher was in there. Rula Lenska comes in. Uh, the writers Ben Aronovich is it. Mark Platt and James Swallow. So looks like pretty high production. Uh, the UK prize, by the way, for that uh, Rebel uh, tra Traitor and Liberator box set, uh, nine ninety five uh, UK pounds. So uh, that's that. Now the BBC did um, some uh, stories with the actual original cast, and I've got a little clip now. Sorry about playing the clips, but we are short of people on audio who've seen the series. This is from uh, the Sevenfold Clown f f Seven. Fold Crown, which was first shown on the Seventh Dimension, uh, which is now uh, was Radio Seven, which is now part of BBC Four Extra, and um, this is a clip from that. The Sevenfold Crown, a Blake Seven adventure, written by Barry Letts. The Sevenfold Crown. hundred strokes, or to leave you tied to the stake to be eaten by the wolf snakes. A faster death, certainly, but possibly even more painful in the end. Yes, much better. Surely you wouldn't deprive me of the pleasure of your company, Servalan. Ah, believe me, the pleasure is all mine, my dear. There, you see, I feel almost affectionate towards you now that I have you in my power at last. You'd better kill me quickly. You're alone down here. When Scorpio comes back, I'll... Okay, before I, I, I play any more clips, I just want to bring Ian in at this point. He probably doesn't want to make uh, a lot of contribution, but um, we want to hear from him. Ian, how are you doing and, and what do you have to add about Blake 7? Um, well, I mean, my approach, of course, like a lot of TV, um, this is a very kind of romantic thing, because this was, this was part of my childhood. Um, it was also a show that my brother was big into, so uh, I, I think, actually, if, if my brother hadn't been into it, we probably wouldn't have watched it as a family, um, just because, you know, unlike Doctor Who, it had more of kind of an, an adult tone to it, especially at the very beginning. Um you know, the certain things, certain elements that uh, Kobo mentioned before, like they were trying to, you know, um, stick him with, a, you know, like um, child rape or something like along those lines. Um, but, you know, my, my my brother really liked it. So, you know, we all watched it. Uh, I, 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 I still have very fond memories of watching it. I watched it again, or started at least watching it uh, about three or four years ago and uh, you know your view on these things always changes over the years um 
but uh, I mean, I think for, for its time, it was it wasn't a bad show. Um, it was entertaining enough. Uh, it, it did lose some when 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 Blake left uh, because, you know, like I said, it's like you know it's no longer Blake Seven, but you know I can understand it um, because of you know you can't really change the, the the show in the middle like that and and expect people then to follow on. I mean. Um, I can understand why they, you know, that they were still the gang, you know, still the same gang, pretty much. Um, I remember being a huge fan of, of, of Villa, just mainly because I'm somewhat of a coward myself. <laughs> and so I kind of just latched onto him. Um, uh, and of course, Blake, uh, there was something about him then as a, as a kid um, that was quite... Uh, um, Noble. Mean, really, it's it, it, it's odd looking at it now, and, and seeing him in that regard, um, because his, his delivery of a lot of the lines is very kind of you know deadpan, kind of um, it's it, it's, a, it's an odd thing looking back at it, you know. But you know, of course, on the playground you want to be Blake, you know. Um, the neat thing about the 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 you know the, the teleporter for the the liberator was. Those really kind of um, cheap and nasty um, wrist bracelets, which were easily mocked up with uh, a toilet roll uh, and some scissors. <laughs> uh, you could easily have you know your own little communicator badge that you could you know you could play with. Um, they ended and, up and using those, by the way, the ones that they showed you how to make on Blue Peter. Right. Uh, apparently, they started to run out of it, and and rather have more commission, they just used uh, you know. Made up ones. Yeah, no. actually, yeah, there is a clip out there of them showing you how to do it. You know, first you need permission from your parents. Um, <laughs> but you know, it was it was easily played on the playground, um, and and I remember doing so with some friends. You know, I, I don't know, I don't really what the following was in New Zealand. I mean, like I've said before, there was this certain slot right before you know right before tea time right before the news came on where you would get shows like doctor who and and blake seven uh these you know and, and they just yeah i mean it was just part of my childhood is, is watching shows like this and uh it, it is odd then you know coming across them years later and watching them um and it's hard, like you know, Dark doesn't recommend it for for one reason. I don't recommend it for another reason because uh, my attachment to this show is is, is a, a very different thing um, than what people will will see if they watch it now. Um, it, I don't think it's necessarily changed. I, I mean, aged that well, you know, special effects wise and everything. Um, but I think think some of the earlier early themes that they they dealt with. Um, are still quite applicable, um, and yeah, I I always think it's a it's a neat thing when uh, a TV show takes that kind of um, really kind of grim look at the future. I mean, the future that they lived in, the world that they lived in, was not a pretty one, and it wasn't a comfortable one. You know, they were on the run from this existence of basically either you know living outside of society or um living inside these domes being you know uh subdued by uh the water and and, and the air and and just you know being complacent about everything uh 
there's a lot of good stuff in it, I think, that, that you know, deserves to be celebrated. Um, and it's one of those things where you kind of have to, you know, kind of take the good with the bad. Uh, you know, I'm always that that mid-ground viewer who, you know, ah, it's fine for what it is. Um, so if you keep an open mind and, and, and do want to watch it, I think it is, it is, there are some really good episodes to watch and some fun episodes to watch. Um, I thought it was an interesting idea when, well, getting rid of the Liberator for one, I don't know what the, 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 the production decision behind that was. I'm sure there was one. Um, whether it was a, you know, you know, the set was falling apart or too expensive to maintain or just too big for the, the, the studio they were in or what. Um, but I guess loading them with this uh, severely um, useless ship and, and a clinically depressed um, onboard computer in the way of, of slave, it was just an interesting move. Uh, was it a good one? I don't know. Um, and then, of course, the the odd thing of them having a base. Um, here we went from this, uh, you know, basically they're playing cat and mouse all the time, hiding out in, in places around the universe and, and just, you know, hanging outside of the, the Federation um, boundaries and, you know, always being on the run to... Um, having a home base, which just seemed kind of an odd thing considering that they were always, you know, always being followed and being tried to track down to have this, you know, have a base. It's just an, an odd thing. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was um, Dorian's base, was it not? That's who they got the ship from. Yes, yeah, the Dorian. one from Scorpio, the underground base, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that that, that, that is one, uh, it is from the series four, it's the first episode, and uh, I found that a uh, uh, a very good name. Any, hmm. any science fiction that uses the word Gestalt in it, then Gestalt. I'm in it. <laughs> Gestalt, yeah, Gestalt. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was it wasn't a great decision because I think uh, the character of the ship Liberator was, um, I think a lot a lot bigger than than really I think the production crew and, and writers had bargained on. Um, and and Zen, I mean, there was something about Zen, uh, the voice, and just I don't know the way the the way he he did the voice. Just it made that ship alive, I think. Um, and you know, the, of course, then the the, the pattern between uh, Zen and Orac, and of course Orac and Avon, uh, just I think fabulous. Uh, and Paul Darrow gets a lot of shtick, but I think. There was nobody better suited to bring life to that particular character than than, than Paul Darrow, um, and there were many people that were, you know, um, I was looking at some of the the, the, the information on the movie database, and uh, you know, there, there were a lot of considerations going into this: who would be what and whatever. And uh, Paul Darrow actually uh, um, went for the uh, the role of Blake, but they mm. thought he was more suited to. To, to Avon, and I think there really isn't anybody else who could have who could have done it um, because it's it's he it's almost a, a Panto character in some regards. Um, how arch <laughs> uh, Paul Darrow can make Avon, 
and how just just how bad he is on quite a lot of respects and how untrustworthy you find him. Um, you never really know. And even in the, the later series, I mean, you really can't, to me, tell if you could really ever trust this guy. Um, and so, yeah. Which plays to the I, actual I, I series finale as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, kudos to them, I think, for um, creating this cast, uh, well, this crew, that... Um, even in the latter series where they still kind of got on well together, there was still a lot of uh, tension between them and, you know, mistrust and uh, just uh, being together by necessity. A lot of TV series, they throw a cast in together and they have these original um, disagreements and uh, and personality clashes, but, you know, you usually find about the third or fourth season that everybody's a bit one big happy family. Um, until that, you know, one episode where somebody goes evil for for one one show. Um, uh, you know, I think they they did a pretty good job of of keeping these kind of characters at their throats to a certain degree throughout the series. Um, and yeah, I thought that uh, you know, uh, laser guns on a telephone cord were cool. Um, again, all you really needed was a was a uh, a stick and a <laughs> A piece of string. Um, that's what you needed for for Blake Seven Gun. Um, actually, you probably could have made it out of a plastic cup and uh, and uh, and a stick, and you would have been good. Um, but yeah, I mean, like most most things I uh, uh, review or talk about on the show, it's it's it, to me it's a uh, rose colored glasses. Certainly, um, I look back on these shows and, and say it's the same with Doctor Who. I look back at it and I, I still love Time Lash. People will be screaming and throwing things at at the computer at this point, but I do I love Time Lash and I love it because Paul Darrow's on it and he's so over the top and arch and in the same regards that uh, that Colin Baker was when uh, uh, he played. Um, um, uh, oh, the guy, the the guy, yeah, yes, um, yeah. <laughs> With the chicken on his head, um, you know it's it's that kind of thing. Maxwell, of course. What's that? Maxwell. 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 Commander Maxwell. Um, and who can remember Colin Baker and Blake Seven <laughs> playing Baven? Yes. Uh, I keep hearing rumors of. Well, I mean, they've done the audio adventures, and and of course the B seven people were at one point trying to either do a TV movie or uh, remount a new series. Um, this is one of those things I just really don't want to see done ever. I don't want anybody to to touch it. Um, well, I wouldn't didn't, mind well, didn't, didn't um, Ave and uh, Paul Darrow buy the rights to it for for a while? He had the, he was he was he part actually, of the the, the B seven group, but he left there because of artistic differences. There was a consortium put together. Um, he wanted to star and they didn't want him to. Well, no, actually, no, no, no. The, the whole idea, I think, behind it was that a, um, a new rebel group kind of, you know, it was like 10 or 15 years after the, 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 the series left off, um, went on the hunt for Avon and then, you know, tried to persuade him to, to lead them, et cetera, et cetera. 
I think that was the, the main premise. And of course, at, at the moment, I think it's in uh, the Sci-Fi Channel has some kind of option on on the, their own version of the series, which is interesting. Yeah, I suppose, and Martin Campbell is attached to direct, but all that was from sort of summer last year, and I'm not sure how much has been said since then. So certainly, it's not been cast yet. So I mean, we're not really at a particularly good spot. I mean, I wouldn't mind somebody doing something very, very similar. And to basically, to, um, Farscape is pretty much like Seven um, to a, a certain extent. Um, actually, uh, quite a big, I think, must have been uh, quite a big influence. I don't know whether it was on purpose or not, but when you think about it, uh, you know, a bunch of prisoners on a ship and then they end up taking over that ship and, you know, hiding out from the authorities who, as Kobo rightly mentioned, um, the the race that is after them have a um, different temperature setting. <laughs> Sebations uh, need a very warm uh, climate um, you can't really take the calls very well, um, but in a lot of in a lot of ways, Farscape is is similar in the far as far as that kind of setup goes. You know, these people who don't really want to be together are thrust together, um, don't trust each other. But again, like most TV series, you know, by the time you get to you know midway through season two, they're you know best of buddies, um, and yeah. Well, I've lost my train of thought now. That's all right. <laughs> I was pretty much done anyway. But yeah, um, I, I, I don't want to see anybody touch Blake 7 mainly because it's my, my romantic view of it from nights, especially winter nights, you know, in front of the, the, the TV, my whole family watching this TV show, you know. Yeah, that's me. Okay. I mean, the, 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 it's still worth ch- checking out um, the BBC... Um, Radio 4, uh, because one of the things about the, the radio of the BBC, that's not regionally locked, not internationally locked, so you can see it. I never knew why they got rid of the BBC 7, one of the digital dab radio channels, because I thought it was great. It's now, as I say, integrated uh, uh, under the umbrella of uh, uh, BBC Radio 4 Extra. Here's just a little clip. I'm going to jump to a, a, a clip. This is... Um, just gives you an idea of how the, the, they sounded, the, the introductions to those. Now 30 years since Terry Nation devised the much-loved science fiction series Blake 7, and it was recently turned into a collection of audio adventures, first broadcast here on BBC 7 back in December last year. Tonight, we've another chance to hear the opening story, Rebel. Terry Nation's vision of the future is chilling. The galaxy is ruled by the iron fist of a galactic federation in which freedom and justice are things of the past. One man, though, remains the thorn in the side of this mighty federation, the enigmatic Rog Blake, leader of a band of outlaws. Having tried unsuccessfully to intimidate him, brainwash him and crush him, they eventually framed him for crimes he didn't commit and exiled him to a notorious prison planet. But they've not seen the last of him yet. This drama concerns political corruption and the ruthless machinations of a police state, so expect some adult themes and language in tonight's hour-long episode. 
B7 Productions presents Rebel, a Blake 7 adventure, written by Ben Aronovich. I'm glad they got his name right. Uh, yeah, I should just say at this point, of course, that, that, that we did have this cast change uh, in the middle. We, we had uh, 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 Dana come on board, Dana Mellonby. Uh, she's the daughter of a foreman dis- dissident, Hal Mellonby. Uh, she's an expert in weapons technology. Uh, she's adept at designing uh, mechanised weapons. And um, uh, then we also had Del Tarrant join them, played by Steve Pacey. As you said, uh, Dana was played by uh, Josette Simon. Um, Tarrant was an expert pilot uh, who trained with the Federation. Uh, but um, he's got some history with him and he's got a brother as well that uh, we find out about later and then this Sue Lynn played by Glynis Barber who's an expert gunslinger, uh, distinctive uh, for apparent lack of fear and self-doubt uh, almost robotic light in the way that she uh, can uh, dispatch people lightning fast um, so uh, and then of course is the, the, the two other um, computers that, that, that actually are almost characters in themselves, the uh, the, the Zen voice we had and and slave and so on. Um, now I've only really got one clip that I want to play, but I do want to give a really big spoiler for this because this is um, the actual ending scene. So um, what I'm going to suggest now is that um, because I think that that's all we've got people on audio at the moment. So what I'm going to do is this is a longish clip. I've cut it down to cut out some of the the, the sort of shooting scenes, but. Um, just to say for the next two minutes and 39 seconds, so nearly three minutes, uh, if you don't want to know how the series comes to uh, a climax, and I'm not going to spoil it for you in text without giving warning, uh, sorry, on audio giving warning, uh, that's what I'm going to play now. And uh, so this is the final scene of Series 4, Episode 13, Blake. Is it him? It's him. He sold us, Avon. All of us. Even you. It's true. Avon, it's me, Blake.
rebels are now prisoners of the Federation. Your friend Blake said he couldn't tell anymore who was Federation and who wasn't. He was right. He couldn't. You're a Federation agent. I'm a Federation officer. Oh, now, look. Uh, I've never been against the Federation. I mean, I've only ever been along for the ride. I'm not even armed. You can't kill me. I'm completely harmless and armless. still in spoiler territory if you didn't want to know but I was absolutely in shock at the end of that the the, the audio background noise made it very difficult uh, that's how the clip sounds uh, originally it's not a poor rendition of it uh, but it was absolutely almost unthinkable the way they ended the series you know unequivocally uh, although lots of people tried to say well uh, Avon was still standing at the end and it fades to black with gunshots, but uh, I was absolutely uh, stunned at the ending of that, um, maybe because it was something so unusual. So if you understand that we are talking spoilerish, I don't know whether those left on audio want to just make a comment. I've got a feeling somebody might say, well, you know, it's it, it time was overdue. It was, it, it, it was perhaps as well it had a, a, a you know, this resolve. Ian, did you get to the actual end of Series 4? Yes, yes, and I was one of those well, somebody was still standing and I don't know, somehow my mind probably played tricks on me or I didn't want to accept it that uh, that um, uh, Villa was still alive. Just um, wounded, but, yeah. No, I was I was, I was, uh, I was, soon set to rights on that one. Um, but yeah, I mean what a great way to just to, to kind of just kill it off. Uh, you know, I mean I guess they couldn't win. I mean, really, they could never win. I mean, all they could do was just uh, end the show um, and 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 you know go into obscurity um, with nothing being answered, or it could have survived on in, in, in other media, which it has done anyway. But I guess it probably would have made it easier if it if it had have had a a non-final ending. But uh, I'm always uh, impressed, I guess, when um, writers take the less popular route. Um, you know, here was this this one rebel group that was managing to evade the Federation at every turn and 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 beat them at their own game and you know score points here and there. And in the end, what happened? They just all got killed off. Oof. I mean, you know, and by each other. Well, not in each other, but the that that that. Uh uncertainty that you mentioned earlier uh, became their downfall, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they didn't know who to trust in the end. And, yeah. So, I mean, uh, at the time, I was not very much a fan of the, the ending because, you know, as a kid, you just want to, you, you want your show to keep going. Yeah. You're not, um, your critical faculties, I don't think, at, at, at least for me at that age, we were not, you know, owned where I was like, well, you know, 
it was their time to be done. You know, this was a good point to step off or they should have, you know. No, I was like, oh, no, no more Blake 7. Yeah. Uh, and when they died in those days, they didn't come back next week, did they? Yeah. You know, yeah. Like some series do now. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so it was it was a shocking one and uh, memorable. I mean, that's, that's, that's that one that goes, you know, really kind of goes down in history as, as far as TV goes is, you know, that episode, you know, that they killed them all off. Oof. Again, I don't want to spoil things for any other story, but isn't there a similar ending to, I don't know, one of these Falcony Crest things are, whatever it was called, one of those, didn't one of those end with, I never remember, I always mix them up, Knots Landing or Falcon Crest or one of the others. Dynasty Dallas. And, I'm sure one of them ended with uh, some some big disaster like that. Yeah. Nope. I don't know. But, I mean, the thing is about this, is it, Blake is further proof of the lack of authorial control there was in the in this show. Because, you know, it, it's really not, Ian, that the you know, uh, that the writers said, you know, they made this really bold choice. Writers didn't have anything to do with it. That was the contractual obligation of hiring Gareth Thomas. He forced it. He came up with the ending. And instead of them saying, screw you, we're in control of this show, they said they were so desperate to get him back that they said, all right, we'll agree to that, which means, you know, that the ending was written for them. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I just, I credit that 0%. That is that is literally 0% effort on the part of the writers. And even though it might be dramatic or whatever, it it, it is not, <laughs> it's not good television because it's not, it's not coming from the, the production team involved. It, it is just something that they had to do in order to hire this actor back who, frankly, you know, I mean, I agree with the fact that you know he he probably left because he he was feeling that the um, the scripts weren't what he was promised or whatever. But Garrett Thomas really has I don't know <laughs> he, he's got balls. Let's put it that way to say that he could have that sort of stipulation in his contract. You know, to think that he was because Garrett Thomas is a nobody really. Who who got lucky and and got a show and was playing the titular character in the show and decided to get all uppity about it and left when things weren't going his way instead of trying to maybe influence them from within or, or whatever, um, you know he did something which honestly could have and should have and and would have with any other show that I can think of ended the show and thereby you know made a lot of people who worked on the show lose their jobs made all the actors lose their jobs. You know, and the whole thing. To think that you can just walk out as the principal character and just because you're you're unhappy with how things are going, that's not how you do it. I mean, you, you should try to, as the leader of the acting department on the show, you know, force some changes in the way that it's being written. Have a have, you know, a discussion with the people who are above you. Don't just leave because you're pissed off at the way things are going i mean again it's just a part of the toxic nature of this show that it, it it's it's everything wrong about television everything it's i, I don't know i, I mean I, I don't, i'm not trying to uh big uh blake seven up i think uh it it's a 
I had a very fun and soft spot for it, like Ian. Probably, uh, I actually haven't got the um, the DVD sets of it because um, they, they they came out at quite an extortionate price. Now, the cynical amongst us might say, well, they had to charge a lot because they were only going to sell a few dozen box sets of it. So they uh, they had to price the you know to get the money back. They had to be you know uh, eighty dollars a box set instead of. Uh, $25, um, but I will eventually get them all uh, um, because I do do like the series and uh, but yes, I mean Is it in the I think, region 1, by the way? I know it wasn't for a long time Is, is there actually an NTSC version of Blake 7? I don't think so, right? Not on DVD or if it is, it's something recent I'm looking as we speak. Um, yeah, I don't know. When we're looking at that, I, I think we should make another point here about the audios because they're very confusing. It's not just that there is this um, this thing, this full cast audio, and that's it. And we, and we should sort of point out, I, I guess that there are two major sources for Blake Seven audio. There's there's B7 Media itself, and that's what's giving us this this thing that was put up on um, uh, Radio Four Extra and that, that little snippet that you played before. Um, and and that's the thing that sounds like a full cast audio. That uh, th- there are two different versions of that though that are that are put out at least two that are put out by B7 Media. One is proper. Um, use of the the characters that you know from Blake 7 even though they are not the actors you know from Blake 7 um but the characters i mean you know it's got Raj Blake in it and it's got um Paul Darrow's character Avon in it and yeah. you know it's got it's got that sort of original season 1 sort of cast or of characters but the cast is completely different and and probably better i mean as you pointed out it's Colin Salmon as as uh Avon um, uh, which is just extraordinary and and the guy who's playing Blake is um most people won't know the actor's name so i'll just say that the character that most of the people listening to this show will know he he's the guy who played um the in in Tooth and Claw in season two of Doctor Who, he's the he's the guy who was the owner of the Torchwood House. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who who eventually gets killed yeah, and yeah. yeah, and therefore that's why that house becomes the center for Torchwood, or that's why Torchwood gets the name Torchwood, I guess. Um, so you know those two are really good in it, um, and, and and there are a variety of other people. I mean, you know, like you've given some other names there, like Rulovinska and some other people. Um, and then there's this other thing that B7 does, and that's sort of a, it's sort of a prequel series, I guess. It's either prequel or sequel, and they may do both prequel and sequel. I, but I, I'm sure that there's a, a prequel series, and in that series, um, you've got Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, and so we're you know talking about I, I I don't think that you're talking about the actual characters. It's a prequel in the sense of. I don't know, maybe it's their family or, you know, somebody uh, yeah, a generation uh, um, back or, or whatever. But it's, you've got another full cast series that principally stars Benedict Cumberbatch that was made in about 2007 or something like that, right before he became famous for Sherlock. Um, and so they flogged that one pretty heavily. And then you've got the Big Finish stuff. Now, the Big Finish stuff, totally different, right? It, it's what they call an enhanced 
audiobook. And the enhanced audiobook is um, a format that people will be more familiar with, I guess, in terms of the Companion Chronicles series, maybe, from Big Finish's Doctor Who output. Um, but actually, it's probably only... It, it's more like, specifically, the... Um, um, what is it? Perry and the Piscon Parasites, or whatever it is. That one Perry story uh, that was written by Nev Fountain. And, and that one is a little bit more than the standard Companion Chronicles, where really it's just an audiobook with sort of two people involved in it. That one has much more audio design to it. Um, It's not just an audiobook. It's kind of two people playing off of each other uh, with occasional narrated bits. And that's kind of what their Blake 7 output is like. Um, and, And all that output is involving the original actors. You know, so like Paul Darrow is in that and... um. Um, Garrett Thomas is in that and I think Jacqueline Pierce might be in one or two of them I don't know exactly but it, it's you know a few of the original actors doing um, Blake Seven's stories in, in a sort of an audiobook format so you, you've got some distinct ranges there um, Don't and you, you've got to go to different places to get them you can't well no I guess B7 Media you could theoretically get at least links to all of them but certainly, if you're on the Big Finish website and you're looking at Blake 7, be aware that you are not looking at the things that we have featured audio samples of in this podcast. Yeah, very confusing. Yeah. Uh, I've got a little clip. I, I, it's the one I skipped over, but I'll, I'll play it now. It's the, um, the media early years. This is a preview to their series. Recording. Okay. All right. All right, I'll tell you. Blake Seven, the early years. My name is Jenna Stannis. Nine oh four twenty one ninety eight. That's all you can have. Townsend? What? What are you doing? Nothing. Townsend. Max Townsend. He wasn't anything special. He just there with the rest of us. You're an insurgent, Maximilian Townsend. You want to riot out here. I, I'm not. I don't. Law and order is of paramount importance. Look, I agree with Blake. Exactly. I didn't say that. It, I'm not political. You know that. No, it's not true. Jenna. Where's Jenna? You see, she must have lied to you. It was just drugs and money. Nick said politics was boring. We're all being lied to. Blake's right. Roger Blake is right. The Federation has made prisoners of us all. How did the story really end, Jenna? Just for once, the truth. The Dust Run and The Trial. Available now on CD from b7media.com. And according to the page there, there's uh, when Villa met Gan, Point of No Return, Eye of the Machine, Blood and Earth, uh, Flag and Flame, The Dust Run, The Trial, Escape Velocity. They came out between 2008 and 2010. And as far as I can see, the going back to the DVDs, the Region 1s have not come out. Maybe some anniversary year. Where are we at now? Came out in 1978. So, right. 2018. I mean, that's the other thing about Blake 7 is, you know, all these people are like, oh, it's the greatest thing ever and, you know, whatever. And it's like, well... 
can't be the greatest thing ever because you can't even legally get it in the United States. So right, uh, just looking by the way, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, in the areas as well as Colin Samuel, Keely Hawes. Did you mention her? Yeah. Jeffrey yeah. Palmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like big, big, big names in that in that uh, prequel series or whatever. Um, well, I mean, the, just the, the regular audio adventures, you know, the the ones that are set sort of in the same time frame as the series is, uh, the television series, that that still has great people in it, too. You know, they really have gotten some, some good people. And I, I think we should probably also point out, too, that if you're talking about uh, looking at B7media.com, that, that company, it, it should be really clear to people, though it's certainly not clear by the name, that it's not they don't make just Blake 7 stuff so don't think if you go on the website and you look at their releases or whatever that you're necessarily looking at something that has anything whatsoever to do with Blake 7 even though it's put out by b7media.com yeah so it's probably better instead of going to that website it's probably better to go to blake7.com if you're, I mean, just to keep it simple for yourself, because that, you know, has has all of the all material having to do with Blake Seven whatsoever put out by anybody, um, in one place. Though it naturally does favor B Seven Media dot com stuff, but so yeah. it's not helped by the fact that the, the the top of every page is a banner ad for Big Finish. <laughs> with Blake Seven on it, so uh, well, you know, because they, they they certainly are getting money from that because they are the, the principal rights holders, and so you can understand that. But yeah, it's very it's not very confusing, and it, it, it's much simpler and easier to understand if you avoid that website and instead just go Blake Seven dot com. Right. Well, uh, with that, uh, unless anybody else, uh, well, I was just say anybody else wants to come on audio. There is nobody else to come on audio. <laughs> Oh really? Oh wow! Just us three. That's uh, that's a well-rounded view then. Like, yeah, there we go. Look, I, I was just here going on for a ride. I'm not really with them. I haven't even got a gun. So. <laughs> oh well. Oh, dear, so Good dear. attempt. Now, and, and a so job on stage, Ian. <laughs> you know, we we should also point out too, just to confuse this audio picture yet again, that. There will soon be big finish full cast Blake Seven audio, and but remember the difference between Blake Seven. I mean, sorry, the difference between big finish Blake Seven and B Seven Media Blake Seven is that B Seven Media is completely different cast, way better actors, expensive actors, good actors. Whereas you've got with uh, Big Finish. You know the guys from the television series, and it might be exciting to you, some people, because you know, I guess Louise Jameson has been hired to be in this this upcoming big finish full cast thing. But again, the distinction is, if you want the old stuff, it's big finish. If you want new stuff, though, it's been a while since they've actually put out a a new cast. But nevertheless, if you if you want stuff using the new cast, then that's um, B7 Media. Old cast is Big Finish. And there's some information if you go to uh, uh, www.blake7.com 7 mm-hmm. being a number. And there's yeah. still new novels coming out as well there. Yeah, yeah, and that's I guess you'll find uh, Darrow kind of circling around all those novels like a shark. 
Um, kind of in this exactly, you know, you were making a comparison to William Shatner before. Here I will give you the Shatner <laughs> comparison because he, he kind of is sort of hanging around the franchise in kind of a surly, why am I not in it way, in, in kind of the same way that Shatner did with, you know, the books that he put out later in the, well, I guess that would be like the eight, late 80s, early 90s. Oh, the book he wrote? Yeah, in quotation marks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Probably yeah, that's yeah, what Darrow's doing. It doesn't really work in audio when I'm actually doing it, does it? <laughs> Good, kind of, uh, I can hear the sarcasm. It's fine. Um, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It says here the Liberator Chronicles, four box sets planned for 2013. Yeah, but now that stuff, Liberator Chronicles, that of course is the audiobook stuff. That's not full cast. It's, it's, Better than just your regular audio book, but it is still not actual full cast. The, the thing that they're putting out this year that is full cast is, um, the hell is it? You can probably see that. I don't have the page up now. War something, Warhead, War something. The word war is in it. Um, uh, warship. There you go. Uh, well that's the, that's the, the full cast audio from them. So... Uh, and I guess we should also, you know, just to sort of again make another thing clear: the big, uh, the uh, the B seven media stuff with the new cast. That material is what four years old at the earliest. I mean, it's stuff that was made from about two thousand seven to about two thousand nine. Basically, what it is. Okay, B seven media had the rights to. Um, Terry Nations Estate, or some, you know, the person who eventually founds B7 Media got the rights to the Blake 7 in about 2000 or 1999 or somewhere in there. And then there was that whole deal of, are we going to make a new television series, right? And they had Paul Darrow on board, and then he slipped away. And then that whole project sort of collapsed in about 2005. At about the same time that Doctor Who came back, that was a big story that I remember at that time was, you know, New Doctor Who, but not new Blake 7. And so the stuff that was sort of involved with um, the bringing back of the television series that fell through, that's what eventually becomes these full cast audios that B7 Media put out. And, um, you know, probably better than what would have happened if it had gone to TV, if you were going to use, uh, you know, Darrow at that point. Um, but I think it was reworked. I don't think that it was just, you know, in, in you're not looking at um, this is exactly what would have been made because I think ex exactly what would have been made is what Dave already talked about, which was, you know, this notion of n the new cast going to try to find the old Avon and, you know, making him their new leader and, and going off on new adventures. But, you know, essentially – it's one person from the old cast and a brand new cast around that person. Kind of like, uh, you know, the new WKRP in Cincinnati was. That kind of quality. Um, so I think that when they, when they took it to, to, to audio, they said, screw that. You know, we're going to use the same basic plots, but we're just going to say, you know, it is the old cast and we'll put everybody back in the right position and everything will be fine. Um, it's a bit like uh, when they did the, the, the later Magnificent Seven cowboy movies, you know, uh, Chris had to find a whole new group of... Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, it is like that, isn't it? Yeah, 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 that's a good comparison. 
though, you know, anytime I can say the new WKRP in Cincinnati, I'm going to avail myself of that opportunity just because that was such a crappy show. <laughs> right. Well, well, thank you for, for those contributions. I, I've got a feeling that we, we, we're, we're coming to a natural conclusion. And before Ian decides to kill us all off, mm. um, <laughs> anything else to add? No, I think that's enough. Yep, I think right, the weapon's in your hand, Ian, then. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. Uh, stay tuned for what we're doing next week. Um, we hope to have that topic up in the next uh, 24 hours or so. Um, and, of course, uh, the week after that, we will be discussing uh, the second Doctor story, Tomb of the Cybermen, following the broadcast next Sunday uh, on BBC America of um, Doctor Who Revisited, the second Doctor so we hope you all will um, join us for all of those shows. So until then, it's goodbye from Mr. Dave AC. It's goodbye from Ian, the Sixth Doctor. Goodbye, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.